You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barrichini, and Alex Hoffman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 82 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my one co-host, Peter Barracchini this week, Alex taking a week off. Um, lots to talk about in Leafland. Uh, some ups and downs definitely this week, Peter. Um, a little bit of extra hockey news at the tail end of this episode, mostly Leaf-centric. As you can tell, I'm dealing with a little bit of a cold, but how are you this week, Peter? Oh, like you said, ebbs and flows this week with playoff hockey. Um, yeah. Yeah. I... I, I I mean, I, I, we all know what we're going to talk about at, in this episode. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's been a thrilling playoffs. It really has. Um, just a really exciting time right now. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you're a Leaf fan, anything bad, it's going to hit you hard. And today was something bad, and it's going to hit us hard big time because we don't know what to expect after this. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's – it's. Uh it kind of brings up those feelings that we've had in the past. It's yeah. It's one of those nights where you, you hate to, you hate to watch because it's, it's going down memory lane a little too much. And the anxiety is uh, kicking in. The anxiety is kicking in a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, but uh, before we get into the leaf talk, I do want to share with our listeners. Uh, my wife and I obviously released the news today. New, breaking news here on the podcast. Um, breaking news. In November, Leaf Nation will have one more member in its in its grasps. It will it will suck in one more member. Um, as beautiful us here at the Forbes household will add uh, yet another little one. Uh, Oakley, great. I mean, if I know you're not an Instagram guys, um, but uh, anybody out there who does follow me on Instagram, um, you know you'll have seen the post with Oakley with his arms raised and his leaf jersey on the Matthews jersey in the background holding the the ultrasound so um yeah just uh just a fun little play and and uh got you know added a little leaf content in there as well so that was that was fun for me and very excited and um you know I know you and Alex aren't aren't papas yet but uh, it's, it's one of the greatest one of the greatest feelings and yeah. to, to be able to to go through all that once again uh and you know to see oakley kind of learn what what's coming is 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 fantastic stuff so i'm uh, very excited november we'll uh we'll keep you posted on that as well but uh without further ado let's let's jump into leaf talk because um i i, I mean there was so much excitement going into today and and we're talking Sunday night. So, um, you know, obviously there was, uh, you know, game four Sunday in Tampa and, and a lot, uh, a lot of, a lot of nerves going into game four because the Leafs obviously up to one. Um, we'll talk about game three in a second here, but, uh, it, it was, as we said, it was a little bit of a flashback, jumping down memory lane here as we get into game four and not knowing what to expect, not knowing what Leaf team to, will come out. Um, that said, let's jump back to game three for a second. Leafs are going into Tampa, tied at one, um, didn't really show up for the first 40 minutes in game two in Toronto, ended up losing that game, and then come back in game three and, and, and play 
what was seemingly a solid 60-minute game. Jack Campbell looked good, stole the show, won the game for the Leafs. There's there's no argument there. Um, and all of a sudden, us in Leaf Nation, we're talking about a possible 3-1 series lead going into game four. I want to get first off what your takeaways were you know, just the feeling surrounding game three and going into game three, what, what did you see from the, from the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah. Um, I would argue that for game two, I think it was just a, sh- a series of unfortunate events that happened in the second period because it, and even in the beginning of the third, if those two goals didn't happen, I think you're looking at a tight game, tie game, possibly going into overtime. You don't know what to expect at that point, but yeah, in game three, I mean, just a solid all-around effort. And it is, you, you kind of got the feeling from the bench that, you know, with the saves that Campbell was making, getting goals from, you know, especially the third line, getting the depth scoring that you would need to win a series, you would think that things are looking up for the Maple Leafs. You would think that, you know, this is the kind of team that they've been talking about from the very beginning, that this is the mentality and the change and the attitude that they're, working towards that this is the type of attitude that you would go far in the playoffs and it looked like that and then you come over to game four and right off from the opening puck drop you knew it was trouble and I don't understand what is what it's with this team inconsistency that they're so afraid of because Tampa was able to crawl their way back in both games and put up dominant efforts that led to their wins. Toronto did the same thing, but at the same time, they can't show that consistency. So I'm just trying to figure out, like, how is this even possible where you're able to show up for some, for in your wins, but in some of the losses that you've had, especially this one, it's a complete disaster. Because I think that if it was a 3-2, 4-2 win in this game, I think it would be a whole lot better in terms of like the storylines and everything, you know, it was still a tight game. Tampa just had a bit of an edge, whatever. Tampa just dominated Toronto. And to see that right now, that to me is a big problem considering that they've had past struggles, closing games, winning when it matters, trying to steal some momentum. And they didn't do that tonight. Yeah, I mean, game three, I go back to game three for a second, and you're talking about such a close game. I mean, mm-hmm. there, were, there were so many opportunities for the Leafs, too, to capitalize. They went one for five on the power play. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, you want to talk about power plays. This, this, not only this series, but this entire playoffs, it's like, it's almost like there's been more calls on average per game than there has during the regular season. And I, oh, I you, maybe, maybe, you mean they're calling just, it by the book? They're calling everything. They're calling everything and it's even the softest touches. Yeah. And I I get it. I get, I wonder, part of me wonders if it's like, you know, there's this, there's been this criticism all season long about the referees and the officiating and, you know, not getting the calls right. And now they're kind of like sticking it to not only the teams, but the fan bases and not letting the teams really play playoff hockey. This isn't playoff hockey. We're seeing more power plays this this postseason than than I can remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, you go back to that. There's there's four missed opportunities for the Maple Leafs, and they they their power play has looked good. 
They've mm-hmm. gotten some opportunities. They've gotten some high danger, high, high danger shots. Um, you know, kind of maintain their composure a little bit in game three, only had six penalty minutes. Uh, hits were 41, 36 for, for Tampa. So taking Simmons and taking Clifford out of the lineup really didn't hurt the team that much in terms of the physicality. Um, you know, the Leafs were blocking shots, 17 block shots, uh, compared to the nine for the, for the lightning mm-hmm. shots were 36, 34. As I mentioned, Campbell stood on his head, made some incredible saves. Um, you want to talk about the physicality. I mean, you're, you're talking about, uh, guys like McKay have had five hits, uh, you know, Muzzin had five hits. Those were your, those were your co-leaders on the team. When it comes to blocks, Marner had four. He was the he was the only guy to have more than two, so it was a full team effort, and I think that's what they got away from in Game Four. And I'll be honest with you right now, I don't have a whole lot to say about Game Four, and it's it's not because it's not because I'm throwing the towel and saying this is it, the Leafs are done, first round exit, blah 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 blah. I I'm not I'm not going to go that route. Um, I'm not going to jump down, you know, panic row right now and say that, you know, the Leafs are, the Leafs are toast because they lost, you know, seven, three in game four of a first round matchup where, you know, both teams are high powered offensive teams. I, I'm going to sit back and say, I don't have much to say because I honest, I truly, truly, truly believe that, um, you know, it's not time to panic. It's not time to panic. It was a it was a poor performance. The Leafs played very poorly from the get go, and then seemed to show up again in the third period, like like we've seen in other big losses this this season. In game two so, as well. In game two as well. So for me, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, yeah, Stamco scored a minute in, Belmar scored five minutes in, and then. Maroon scored what eight minutes in. So right off the hop, I mean, you, you saw that the Leafs were on their heels. That 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 was it. The Leafs were on their heels. That that was you know how the game started. And I mean, you could tell on the Maroon goal because he's not the most slight of foot. And for him to get around the D the way that he did and get in and around uh, Campbell to score that goal, I mean, nothing nothing against Pat Maroon, but he's not exactly you know, a McDavid stylist out there. Mm -hmm. So that, when I saw that goal, I was kind of, I kind of looked at it and I said, you know what, this is going to be a bad night. I I, I could tell this was going to be a bad night. And I knew, I knew the Leafs were going to get a few goals. uh, That, that to me was a given. Um, It was just a matter of when they showed up. If they had come Mm -hmm. back in the, in the second period and scored three goals, all of a sudden you're talking about a tie game. Yeah. Um, You know, totally different story, but, you want to get into the numbers again, uh, 30 penalty minutes for the Maple Leafs, 30 penalty minutes compared to six in game two. There's your problem. The lightning were one for eight on the power play, eight power plays. That's not good enough. That's not going to, and I know we're going to hear about the officiating and, and yeah, at times some of the calls were a little bit questionable, but you can't put yourself in a position to allow the, yeah. the officiating to change the outcome of the game. Yeah. I will say that the officiating towards the end of the game was way worse 
than it was at the beginning. Because yeah, there were some phantom calls, but like you said, the Maple Leafs put them in that and put themselves in that bad spot. They put Jack Campbell in a bad spot, and they even, you know, Eric Chaldron came in and stopped the bleeding. I'm I'm going to give full credit to him because it could have ended. I could have ended a hell of a lot worse than it did. Yeah. And we talked about how they scored goals in game two and that momentum kind of carried over into game three. My hope is that, yeah, Tampa Bay scored two empty net goals. Um, but the goals from Nylander on the power play, um, the one timer that he got from John Tavares, hopefully that gets that line going because they have been dead quiet and they're already getting a lot of hate online. And that shot from Muzzin. I want to see those point shots. I want to see that power because they have guys who can shoot the puck from outside. The fact that they were able to get those three goals, that momentum should carry over into game five, just like it did from game two to game three. Now, again, we're, we've seen this time and time again where you expect it to happen, but then the opposite happens. And, you know, we talked about the attitude, the killer instinct that they lacked. and key, Keith was asked about this and he just said um, they were at, he was asked about the killer instincts and he just like Tampa was really good tonight. Yeah. You want to tip your cap to Tampa, but at the same time, you got to tell it like it is. They were not good at all. And I get you're the head coach and I get you want to try and keep a positive outlook and mentality, but hearing that it's just like, man, come on. I know I I know he's got to be level headed. I know he doesn't want to go over top over the top because they got a lot to prove. But that killer instinct has to be there. The energy, the intensity that we saw even in the first three games, even game two, because they had a little bit of fight in them in that one, was non-existent here. And we know how fragile this team can be. If they're able to come back and put up the effort like we saw previously, great. I agree with you. It should be no time to panic, but if they lose, oh yeah, time to panic because we know exactly how quick or how south this could go. Yeah, no. I, and here's here's the other thing I want I wanted to note is you're in the midst of a playoff run right now. Mm-hmm. Why why are you juggling the lines the way that you are? I I mean, I get that you're trying to find the chemistry throughout the lineup, but I look at games one and three when you won. the The depth scoring is there. The problem isn't your 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 scoring. The problem is stopping the offensive threats from the other the other side. Yeah. When you juggle the lines, you play with the chemistry. You're you're throwing your team off kilter right from the get go. I like sure you had a couple practices with Kerfoot on the top line, but that goal from Stamkos was a minute in. I, my guess is that. Matthews and Marner don't know exactly where Kerfoot plays on, on his side of the ice all the time. Same way Kerfoot doesn't know where Matthews is going all the time. When yeah. you've had Matthews bunting and, and Marner play together for such a, such a extended period of time over the, over the, over the season. When you play with that chemistry, like I get if injuries come into play or, you know, you're taking a guy like Simmons out for Spezza, that's different. That's different. But you're, you're playing around too much. You're tinkering. It's like, it's like playing fantasy football. You know, you go in on Sunday right before kickoff and you start to tinker with your lineup. All of a sudden, you know, your teams, the guys you put on the bench are outperforming the guys you put in your lineup. 
That's exactly what's happening right now is that there's too much tinkering going on. And I, I don't know. I, I think, I think that's going to hurt them. I think he's got to go back to, to what's comfortable for these guys. Put Kerford back with JT. Let them figure that out. Or put Kerfoot on that third line. Move Kasha up to the second line. Like you had throughout the season. Um, you know, Morgan Riley was a minus four to, tonight. They, mm. Plus minus aside the fact that people don't like that stat. But yeah. minus four is pretty telling at, at how your game went. Yeah. I would say on the plus side, I mean... Plus, I was that third period. Again, you said if they actually had that momentum going for them in the second period, they're looking at a completely different game and the momentum could have changed. But Vasilevsky, his save percentage is only 880. So he wasn't busy. But when the Maple Leafs actually played like they wanted to play, they they put on some pressure. They like they were running around and giving a Tampa, a Tampa a good run for their money. And again, I keep going back to this. Where was this from the very beginning? I like I, I just don't get it. And we talk about consistency and how they've had poor games and, and stuff like this in the regular season. And we're like, you know what? You got to cut this out. You got to cut the bad habits because stuff like this isn't going to fly. Guess what? It costed you a chance to go up 3-1, going to your home barn, to trying to eliminate the defending Stanley Cup champs. It seems like this team always puts themselves in the worst possible positions and it never works out. So I like you, I want to be optimistic that they can figure this out because they can, and they have in the past, but they got to do it quickly because again, playoffs, one game can change everything. And if they don't figure it out, the, the turning point is going to be game four. Yeah, I mean, how many how many times during the regular season did we talk about this team coming in and having a poor performance, you know, losing 7-1, 7-2, 8-3, whatever. Mm-hmm. And ten, winning 10-7. The argument was it's the regular season, you know, we'll shake this off, we're going to the playoffs. Now you're in the playoffs and you have the same kind of performance. 7-3, yeah, two empty net goals. I mean, you were down 5 nothing after two. Mm-hmm. But you're you're in the playoffs. And like I said, I'm I'm not sitting here ready to panic. I'm not. I'm just not going to panic. I'm not going to bring myself down to that point. We've been there. <laughs> How many times in the last five years have we been to that point? It's a good thing you were off Maple Leafs Twitter because, man, I mean, there are some fans that are still optimistic, but the but yeah, people are. Let already, me guess. The jersey burners are out. Jersey burners, jersey throwers, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like. Donate like, these guys. Donate the jerseys. If you don't want them, donate them. There's lots of people out there that want them. Like, I'm absolutely just – like I said, if it was a 3-2, 4-2 game, I wouldn't be upset. But it's how they lost this game that just still irks me because they've had time and time to learn this lesson over and over again. And now it happens again. And now if they bow out in the first round, what's going to happen after that? Yeah, no, it's not. It's not and a I don't first. Want, it's not a I don't first. Want, and I don't want to go to that point because, you know, I picked the least in seven. Still time like you. I don't want to panic. But, again, we know the past. We know the history. We know what this team has done. And now it's up to Matthews, Martin, and everybody else, and even Tavares too. Uh, I'm going to throw him in there because he's been really quiet, like we said, off the top of the show. I mean, he got an assist tonight, but 
big deal, one assist. He's got to be more involved. I mean, he, we're just not seeing it. Like, it seems like plays are dying off his stick. He's not engaged physically like we saw early on. He needs to get it going. And he even said that he wasn't happy with his performance in this game. Um, I'm going to try and find the quote. It was uh, from David Alter. He said, I haven't been able to produce offensively as I like, and I would like to, and I would still like to create more offensively. I expect more and want to be better. Again, he's the captain of the team. I get his, his mannerisms, his nature. That's who he is. But again, show it. That's what we want to see. Like, it's always the same things with the same comments from the Maple Leafs after a terrible loss. Now is the time to try and put that, put that behind you. Make sure that you actually mean what you say. And like, and like Matthew said, heading into the playoffs, it's time to not just say it. It's time to act on it. Now is the perfect opportunity for you to keep your promise and act on it instead of just saying it. Yeah, I mean, does he does he look disengaged to you or or almost playing scared a little bit? Like uh, I I wouldn't say say playing scared. I think he's just I I just don't think he could keep up. That so that's that's where my panic kind of sets in then because yeah, if you're talking about a guy who can't keep up in the playoffs, he's your captain, he's making 11 million a year and he can't keep up. You've got him signed to what? Another? I could be wrong. Five years? Another five years? I four think years? It's probably three or four more. So you've got him. Let's say let's say four years. You've got him signed for another four years. That's frightening. That three more after this one. Yeah. So as a Leaf fan, that's that's pretty darn frightening. Yeah. And we know that Tavares isn't the quickest skater. Like we were like, we've seen him like even his time in junior, like he wasn't the quickest guy, but he would always be, he would always have the size. Of, like, the puck. Fit, yeah. The he puck possession style puck. game. We're yeah. just not even seeing that right now. And even times where even he wasn't, again, we talk about his skating, how it's not the best, but there are times where he just went full on rage mode and just uses speed to get ahead of opponents, make a hit gain possession. We're not seeing that. And, and again, I love Tavares. I always have always did but he's got to be better. I mean, there, there's just no excuse. And, you know, you try to rely on Matthews and Marner, and they are producing in the series, even when they don't, you don't think that they're playing at their best, they're still producing. But Tavares has got to show up, and he's got to meet it. He's wearing that C for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Play everything on the line. Like, I mean, we, we saw a goal earlier in the playoffs from Crosby where he just, like, he was so tough to get off the puck, drove the net, and, and got it done. And, Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what you want to see from your, from your leader. And I don't know. I don't know. I, if, if it, if it is truly the fact that he cannot keep up. I don't know if it is. It's just what no, I'm seeing. Yeah, no, exactly. No. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I just think that's, that's a scary thought to have. Maybe, yeah. maybe he's not a two C, but at this point, if you're, if you're playing a guy that's making $11 million, any lower than the second line, that's you're scary. In, you're in trouble. You you're can't have him as a three C. No, and the, and the, you can. The, if that's the case, then the talk should not be about trading Nylander. The, yeah, the, the talk really needs to kind of defer to something, something a little different here. But um, even so, how are you going to trade that contract? It's well, the same thing like trying to trade Mitch Marner. That's how are you exactly gonna trade it. it. 
That's exactly it. I mean, I think Marner, you got a little bit more, more. Oh yeah. He's 25. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's like, you got to see a lot more and the Leafs, they have to actually, I'm just looking at it right now. You can't move him. He's got a no movement clause and you know, not even a modified. He's not, he's not leaving Toronto. So, yeah. So it's either he's got to step it up, work on his speed, work to get faster and even play with a bit of bite or the team suffers for three more years at 11 million. And I hate to have this conversation because you, you all three of us, oh, you and Alex are huge John Tavares fans, but yeah. come on. He, he does need to step it up. Yeah, no. And you want to see, you have to see more in the next couple of games mm-hmm. and uh, Leafs like you're going back to Toronto game five. You're at home. The, the, the city's buzzing. You got Curtis from Calgary, dry, you know, flying down. Yeah. He's gonna be in, in. He's gonna be in the house. Big uh, Leaf fan. He's gonna be absolutely lit. So get ready. <laughs> yeah, be lit. Shout out to Curtis. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you you have to be ready. You have to be ready. And this is the playoffs. It's a different game. And you've seen how the refs are gonna call it. They're good. They've been consistent through the first four games. They haven't put their whistles away. They've mm-hmm. called everything. 30 penalty minutes is not okay. No. And Especially that's, when you lose your temper and you don't have Simmons or Clifford in the lineup. Yeah. When you're when you're when you're gonna hand when you're gonna hand these guys the the, the back-to-back defending champions eight power plays, mm-hmm. you, you better believe you're gonna lose the game. Fortunate enough for the Leafs, I think about two or three of them, they were four on fours. So it, it, it kind of balanced it out where one team had less of an, of an advantage or a short amount of power play time. So good on that. But at the same time, yeah, if, they, if it wasn't four on four, that is ugly. But you're, you're, regardless, you, you've got somebody yeah, sitting. Yeah, no, and that's, absolutely. Like, where's the discipline? That's, you know... If if the refs are going to put the put the whistles away and you can play a little bit more on the edge, teetering the line, you know, absolutely go for it. But at this point in time, like that's, uh, I don't know. I don't and know. even on the broadcast too, they're saying that like Matthews and Marner are starting to look a little bit shaky because, well, not so much Marner because he's on the penalty kill, but Matthews, how at five on five and on the power play, he's not getting his looks. He's not getting his chances. He's not looking the dominant player that we saw in games one and two, where he was still dangerous in the last few games. He really hasn't quite looked like that. And he has been panicking, but, and that's not to say that old Matthews is mailing it in. No, he's not. It's just, how is he supposed to thrive when all these penalties are being taken? And he's a five on five, five on four kind of guy. That, so- that's just not going to fly. Marner had one shot tonight. Mm-hmm. One shot. That, and that's good. Uh, and that, and you know what? Credit to Tampa because they're starting to shut them down. But at the same time, now they gotta they gotta they gotta adapt. Pick up the pace. Yeah. What what is what has Tampa done after every single Leaf win? They've adapted. They found ways to mm-hmm. to figure out the 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 defense, the opponent's defense, and they they found ways around it. And, and yeah. now Toronto's in the same position. They got to find ways to adapt. Mm-hmm. And going hard after the 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 officiating isn't going to be the the way they have to they have to find ways to get in tight yeah. and and get opportunities on Vasilevsky because the only way you're going to score on this guy it's not going to be from the outside it's going to be from in the house mm-hmm. as we saw previously yeah so with that said um, 
let's get your thoughts on Cooper's comments about not only downplaying the Leafs game one win where he said, you know, we had to give these guys a freebie, but then coming back after game three and basically calling out Jack Campbell and saying, you know, if this guy's going to have a 350 goals against over the next couple games, we're going to be just fine. Um, I mean, Vasilevsky hasn't exactly been great either. He's had a good game. He's had, you know, a couple good games, as has Jack Campbell. So I want to get your thoughts on, you know, is this is this John Cooper, the lawyer, just trying to throw some media jabs in there? Or is this John Cooper, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, truly believing that the Toronto Maple Leafs are a wash? Well, I mean, he shouldn't think that because – you know, both teams have been very solid offensively this season. And heading into this game, before the game started, Jack Campbell had a 924 save percentage, and Vasilevsky had a, I want to say like 890 or eight sub 890 below 900 save percentage. And at that point, Jack Campbell looked like he was, you know, winning the goalie duel because, you know, the Maple Leafs had outscored Tampa 13-7 overall before this game. Now, obviously, Cooper's the coach of back-to-back champs. Obviously, his him and his team are going to have the swagger and the, you know, attitude to say, hey, yeah, you know, we are what we are. We know who we are. The Maple Leafs still haven't won a series, and they're maybe trying to sow some doubt, trying to, you know, get into their heads a little bit. I don't know if that actually played a factor in this game, but... Um, the comments itself, I mean, yeah, I, at the same time, if it was any other coach, you're probably going to say, Hey, yeah, you know, credit to him. He played well, but now it's the playoffs. And I think they, if he played the level, like an even keel, like trying to play on that line of saying, yeah, you know, he played great, but you know what, you know, it is what it is. I, we, we, we've seen this stuff previously before yada, yada insert the stats that he mentioned here great but at the same time it just seems like he's not even phased by the maple Leafs. and even so to get you know the amount of goals that they had by andre vasilevsky and you know put up a fight against their team really says a lot that maybe he really shouldn't discredit or try and push it off to the side because hey now we don't know what's going to happen in game five hopefully the best outcome is going to happen for toronto but until that happens, every he's just got to – I don't want to say careful with his words because, you know, we've seen what happened when Toronto lost and they came back. And now they're coming back on home ice. They have the edge over, like, the matchup. So maybe Austin Matthews and Mitch Martin are going to be a little bit more free on who they're playing against instead of facing the Sorelli line as they were shutting them down completely in Tampa Bay. But, yeah, I mean, the comments itself, I mean – it's nothing to fret over, but it's just like, I don't know, man. Like maybe, maybe don't count your chickens before they hatch kind of thing, because we don't know what to expect. The series has been up and down constantly for both sides. So here's what I'll say. I like, I didn't mind the freebie comment. Cause I'm like, yeah, you know, you kind of have to stand up for your team. They played like shit in mm-hmm. the first game and, you know, basically got, got it handed to them by, a team that hasn't made it out of the first round in as long as the Leafs have. But the one where you like basically like just discredit what he's done. Discredit Jack Campbell. I mean, like where you pinpoint Jack Campbell of all people, like 
quite literally maybe the nicest guy in the entire NHL and a guy that you know has struggled with, you know, mental health or whatever, anxieties, whatever. And you go there and you single him out and basically say, yeah, I mean, he's, he's average. He's okay. Um, that, that was kind of a scummy move. Yeah. Um, he's an all-star for a reason. Like, come on. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. I get what he's trying to do and whether it's like trying to play with the emotions of Jack Campbell or what, whether he's just trying to get under the skin of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I get that, but you can do that by doing what you did with the, you know, the freebie comment, Mm -hmm. you know, you can say he's played great, but we're not going to make it easy on him. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that? The the fact that this goalie literally stole game three for his team. Mm -hmm. The Maple Leafs won game three because Jack Campbell was standing on his head. I mentioned this. Did you get flashbacks of Freddie on pasta with that save on Stamkos? Oh, absolutely. Because that was the first thing I immediately thought of after the game. Yeah, coming right across the way that he did. It was like, I mean, that was nine times out of ten, that's a goal. Nine times out of ten, I think that's a goal. And a turning point for the next game. But we all know what happens. Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just... I mean, Cooper's going to do what he needs to do to win the, win the cup, and I get that. I, I understand that's, mm-hmm. that's part of being the coach and trying to, you know, do your job. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I wasn't convinced that the, the singling out of, of Jack Campbell was necessary. Like, why not say, you know, Matthews and Marner are having their, their first couple games have been good, but we all know how they are in the playoffs or something. You know, like, at least make it – I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being soft. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, if I was Jack Campbell, I'd like just send him a quick text and be like, hey, man, fuck you. Like, I'm, I'm playing great. <laughs> or if it was Jack Campbell, would just be like, I do not appreciate that comment. Please retract it. Yeah. He, not even. He'd be like, hey, man, thanks for getting my motivation up. I really yeah. appreciate it. Um, and that, and probably Jack Jack probably would use that to his advantage too. Obviously, maybe not so much this game because the team didn't show up in front of him. But if the team provided, you know, the kind of play that was acceptable in games one through three, then yeah, Jack Campbell wouldn't have to be pulled. And even so, then, I think even then, Jack Campbell made some pretty great saves. There was a yep. right pad save on. Uh, oh, it's slipping my point. mind. Point. I think it was on point. Braden point. Did yep. the exact same move. A more skilled player than Pat Maroon did the exact same move. Yeah. And the defense, once again, wasn't there for Jack Campbell. And yet again, Jack mm-hmm. Campbell made the stop. So high danger opportunity on from Braden Point, a guy who has, you know, put up the numbers over his career. And, uh, you know, Jack Campbell comes up with the big save. So, Soupy, if you're listening, I know you're not. But if you're listening, you know, game you five got this. is yours, buddy. Game five is you yours. You got this. It was nothing to do with you. It was everything to do with the team playing in front mm-hmm. of you. And, and sometimes it's just not your night. So, yeah. Um, I give credit to him wanting to go back in there and still fight. Oh, but you 100%. know what? Let him, let him, let him take him out. It's the game's a lost cause, anyways. Yeah. Let him, let him clear his mind and get you don't want him getting injured. Five. Look at, look at the goalies that are playing in the NHL playoffs right now. You don't want him getting injured. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> Otherwise, you're talking about game five. Eric Schalgren's your starter. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not comfortable making that call yet. Oh, we've talked about that many times before how 
bad case scenario that would be. Yeah. And it's not so, that against Shawgren. It's just no, 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 really, really risky situation to go to a 25 year old rookie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, with that, I, I, I mean, we kind of touched on, on game four as it was, but let's talk about the depth of the Leafs so far this playoffs. Um, we've seen obviously Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews have, have, you know, bettered what they did last, last mm-hmm. playoffs. Um, you know, obviously game four is a little bit rough for, for the two of them. And, and uh, you know, as I mentioned, Marner only had one shot on goal, something that he needs to, to definitely improve on moving forward. But they've, they've shown up, and, and so is the depth of the Leafs. Um, we've seen guys like McCabe, obviously, with the two empty netters. Engvall's played well. He's played tough. He's played gritty. Um, you know, we've seen David Kampf be a, be a force. He's scored two goals already. Um, how important have those goals been? Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on, on not only the Leafs' depth, but maybe that third line in particular? I mean, they've been the best line throughout the whole entire series. I mean, we talked, I mean, Simmons talked about the depth of the bottom six being key factors and you, you're not going to go far unless you have great depth. And the Maple Leafs have that with Mikheyev, Camp and uh, Engvall right now. Now, even in this loss, they were still probably the best, the best line in that game. Because I believe some of the stats were still relatively impressive for them. I'm trying to pull that up to see if I can find that. Yeah, so this was... Okay, uh, my phone is being weird right now, even though it's a brand new one. Um, Nick D'Souza from uh, over at TLN Doc, uh, or just the Leafs Nation, he said... Or tweeted out one bright spot: Engvall, Camp, Mikheyev, five to one Toronto and shot attempts with them on ice at five e five. Haven't been on for a goal against as a line. Zero offensive zone starts. Five defensive zone starts. These three have been really good in the series. I mean, just overall with their play, the speed, the transitional play, and you, I, I even saw in Hockey Reference that I think David Camp's zone start percentage in the defensive zone was at ninety seven percent in the playoffs. So for them to transition very quickly and effectively from defense to offense shows that this line should not be taken lightly. And I said that, you know, death scoring is going to be key. You can argue that Tampa's had the edge, but you know what? The Maple Leafs third line has scored some pretty key goals when they needed them too. Yeah. Well, I, I think you mentioned it. Like, Kampf, uh, in terms of his uh, defensive zone starts and considering the fact that he's got two goals already, like, I mean – <laughs> Has he not been maybe the most impressive leaf of all? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, that's for him to be able to do that and, and be a reliable force when it comes to face-offs in his own zone. I mean, um, it's been like that all year. He's been the stalwart all mm-hmm. year. Um, it, was, it was either you or Alex who tweeted out the fact that, you know, the Leafs have him signed for one more year after this, which is Alex. Maybe, yeah. 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 Maybe the most impressive, part of the whole thing but yeah i i don't i don't know the leafs the leafs obviously have to rely on their depth but on a night like this you want to see a guy like matthews come out and get two tucks and and, mm-hmm. and find a way to to get his his boys back in it because um you know midway through the third period to start putting up goals is just not good enough yeah 
You're like I said, you're in the playoffs. You got to figure out you got to figure out what what you're doing and and how are you don't have a guy like Philip Deneau, you know, controlling the game anymore. You have Anthony Sorelli. You have Anthony Sorelli, but I mean I don't know. I don't know. I'm not convinced the Leafs can't beat these guys. Yeah. They can. And I think and I and I think too that, you know, again, the matchup didn't fare well for the Maple Leafs in Florida. Because they get to set the lineups. They get to say, you're going to get this matchup and assignment. Toronto played extremely well when they had the assignment that went in their favor for the top line. Didn't quite have it this time. But then again, like you said, you got to manage it. You got to push through. You got to put in the mindset that no matter who I'm facing, I'm going to be at my best. And we saw that at times, but not for the consistency or the consistent type of play that we saw in the first three or two games with that line. Cause they had good looks in the third one. It's just maybe not so much where they started to pick up halfway through the game. But yeah, I, I, I totally agree that, you know, if they want to, obviously they want to succeed. They got to be at their best. They're producing. It's just now they got to take that one step further. They got to have that drive. And you know what? I would go back to, again, that image of them in the locker room post game, Game seven, after they lost to Montreal, heads down, looking completely out of sorts, just absolutely, I mean, dejected after the loss. What more motivation can you need from those two guys to say, hey, we got to pick it up. I don't want to feel like that again. I don't want to feel like crap after a loss. Let's go out there and lay it on the line, no matter who we're up against. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, he, so here's my question. If you're Sheldon Keefe coming out of game four, you lost a, a decisive seven-three game. Your team didn't look well. Um, what what's your top line when you come out for Game Five in Toronto? I'm starting in Matthews' line. Matthews with who though? That's that's the big question. Marner and Bunting. Go go back. Go back. The, yeah. Go back to the top lines. Yeah. Go back uh, to the top lines. Get them going. Get the offense going. Tampa. Did the same thing with their top lines. I, obviously, I think maybe they made – I can't remember if they made any adjustments or not. But, you know, their top guys were firing on all cylinders. Time for the Maple Leafs to do the same. If they're going up against a third line, you're pairing up the Matthews line with that. If they're going up – the second line is going up against the fourth, you're pairing them up with that or try and get a favorable matchup. You want them to succeed. You want to get them the goals. You want to get the zone time. You want to get the shots and the scoring chances. Yeah, no, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I'm just going to jump off here for a sec here because if you're watching the LA game right now, are you, are you tuning into this? Unfortunately, I am not near a TV right now. So I am, but it's like where I'm like organized right now. It's completely awkward for me. Five minutes left in the third. LA just went up three, nothing and a nice little brawl broke out at the, behind the, the Oilers net following the goal. I mean, this is, if if this is not going to be one of maybe the, closest most um physically intense series Mm -hmm. i i don't know i'm gonna say this if la is able to come back and have that kind of game because it is three it is three nothing for them right now yeah yeah two nothing if they're able to come back and put up that performance after an a2 thrashing it's sure as hell that the maple Leafs can do the same thing against the tampa bay lightning yeah, no, I, and that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, like, they yeah, can do it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, like I said, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to go down 
memory lane here and try yeah. and like over overreach on on talking about the Leafs and whether they're going to come out in game five and then I'll just be disappointed again and yeah guys just do everyone everyone that's listening and if you're part of Leaf Nation just do me a favor if you're part of any fan base just do me a favor don't burn jerseys it's just so don't do anything stupid it's just so stupid please just please just figure it out just yeah if you're a fan you're a fan <laughs> if you're not like you know I, I know somebody who says he you know he he jumped ship and he's he's a fan of the Seattle Kraken now and you know what if he is good for him like Seattle needs <laughs> Seattle needs lots of fans so you know if you want to be a fan of Seattle they got some sick jerseys you know I'm all for it I'm all for yeah. switching fan bases if that's what you want to do just don't burn your jerseys please like yeah it just you know uh, you can't donate them you know there's yeah, someone out there that would yeah. probably need it just just a crazy idea, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, um, that's kind of all I had for, for Leaf Talk. I, did yeah. you want to talk about the Simmons, the, the possible Simmons comment in the post-game press, presser? And we're not talking about we're not talking about Wayne Simmons. We're talking about Steve Simmons, our, our favorite uh, local journo out in uh, Toronto. I really don't. No? Okay. We, we, we all know, but yeah, <laughs> simple as that. For any for anybody no that comment. doesn't know, basically asked Sheldon Keith like why you'd start, you know, your worst defenseman. And there was a there was a small interaction between Sheldon Keith and and this said journalist um, regarding, you know, who the who the worst defenseman is, and that's that's his opinion and blah blah blah. Anyways, essentially like I feel like journalists are getting more balls in terms of asking their questions. And I feel like guys like you and I who write, you know, for maybe a new media site, like the hockey writers um, have given these guys a little bit more cojones when it comes to asking those questions, Mm -hmm. because now they're trying to get those sound bites, the ones that we, we can't really latch on to. Um, I don't know. Look, you're looking for the guy to to basically sewer one of his players, and he's not going to do it. Simple as that. You know, Sheldon Keith's played the game. How would he feel if he got sewered? He'd feel pretty, yeah. he'd feel pretty shitty, right? So I don't I don't think he's going to sewer his own players either. But no. Anyways, if you're if you want to read more about that, look it up. Uh, it's just it's it's just another perfect example. The tweet Call was this. by Adam Lescaris. <clears throat> where you where the whole interaction happened and yeah everyone is saying steve simmons in there so yeah yeah essentially let's let's call this the uh let's call this the matheson rule where just don't don't look for don't fish for a quote like good good journalists will get their quotes regardless of of you know how the players are feeling or how the coach is feeling you're you're gonna get your good quotes don't go fishing for stupid shit yeah. like this. Like that's just it's it's petty petty bullshit. I just want to um, know what happened to integrity. Oh, it went out the window with the internet a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dumb question. It, it's not. It's not because it shouldn't. <laughs> it shouldn't have gone out there. Yeah, this is. It was a perfect exam. Perfect avenue for people to maintain integrity. And when I mean, like I for one, I went to J school. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things was talking about like, um, 
you know, you're talking about, we, we took a whole class on law and ethics in, in journalism. Yep. And yep. I mean, it's such a wide range course, but I mean, integrity is everything. Like if you don't have integrity, mm-hmm. what do you have? Do you see you a lot of these guys that want to sit down with Steve Simmons and have a conversation? No. No. Right. And you know, I'm not saying that I, I'm any better. Like, I'm not saying that I'd sit there and, and you know, Morgan Riley would come out and be like, yeah, I'll sit down with Andrew Forbes and have a conversation. <laughs> Riley doesn't know me from a goddamn hole in the wall. Yeah. That said, you know, if I were to sit down and have a conversation with Morgan Riley, I'm going to give him the opportunity to speak and I'm not going to ask him stupid shit. Yeah. Right. The story will tell itself. Simple right? as that. Simple as that. Um, but anyways, now back to our regular programming away from law and <laughs> ethics of journalism. Um, <laughs> any, uh, anything else you want to touch on with the least before we kick it over to a little bit of hockey news? No. And it may seem like we're really upset. I mean, we are. It's yeah, we're disappointed. We're allowed to we're be disappointed because of the outcome. Yeah. We're not the, like, even like I said, if they had lost three, two, four, two, I would not have been upset. It's how they lost throughout the whole entire game, and they just dug a hole deeper. Again, we want to be positive. I want to be optimistic. But if this game is the reason why they lose, they got no one to blame but themselves. Here's what I'll say. Fan bases, fan bases are allowed to be disappointed, and that's, mm-hmm. what, we, that's what we're feeling. Yeah. Um, we're feeling... I like, I feel a little cheated because of the way that the game started for, you know, five goals in the first two periods, no response really from the Leafs. Yeah. Um, so I do feel cheated. So there's disappointment there, but at the end of the day, like, I think we're at a point now where we're like, yeah, you know what, if it happens, it happens. And the disappointment is going to be there, but come October 3rd, we're already 4th, numb with it. Leafs play Montreal opening night. And guess what? I'm going to be back there with my Jersey on. And yeah. my kid's going to have his jersey on and we're going to be watching the game. And yeah. it's, it's an illness. It yeah. really is an illness. Um, but anyways, with that said, uh, some quick NHL news before we throw a little women's hockey at you. Um, Mark Shifley had an interesting postseason uh, press conference where he kind of alluded to the idea of thinking about going somewhere else in the offseason. Um, obviously it was read into in a big way. Um, everybody was talking about Mark Shifley wants out of Winnipeg and blah, blah, blah. Well, um, Jesse Pollock will be happy to hear that Mark Shifley did not request a trade. Um, (laughs) rather he just wants to see where the team's direction is. And this is a team that, you know, they have the right pieces. They have the Kyle Mm -hmm. Connor, they have the Pierre-Luc Dubois, they have, uh, you know, um, Neil Pionk, who's willing to take out any player in the league. Um, they have Connor Hellebuck. They have the right pieces. They're maybe one or two pieces away from being a contender. And I think that's where, what he wants to see. He wants to see what they're what – they're, and, and look, I'm not going to put words in Mark Shifley's mouth because I'm not in his head. I have no mm-hmm. idea. And this goes back to the whole conversation of integrity. I have zero idea what he's thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but I think that he wants to play for a team that is competitive and you get a press conference from a player like that right after the season where, you know, 
they did not live up to expectation, he's going to be disappointed, right? Yeah. And I think that's all he that's all that was was disappointment and uncertainty of of the future, right? And the wound remains open. Yeah, there the door is open, but it's not doesn't mean that Mark Scheifele is going to walk through it. Yeah, right. Freeman did tweet out, or it was reported from Freeman that he didn't specifically ask for a trade. It's just that it's just Scheifele, you know being a part of that organization, their first draft pick since coming back to Winnipeg, you know, has seen just like the latest the ups and downs and everything. And now this is a year where expectations were high and they didn't do anything with it. They missed the playoffs. So yeah, I can understand why he said the comments that he did because yeah, he is in the prime of his career. He does want to play. Who doesn't want to play and compete for a cup. So for him to say what he did, I mean, if they did want to explore trade, the return is going to be immense for Shifley. But it's at the same time, it's like, you know what? If he, like, just take it a step back kind of thing. Yeah, I'd be a little bit worried, too, if he said that if I was a Jets fan. But it, it didn't happen. And if they do move on from him, like, let's say at a deadline, then you'd have a better, clearer picture of where things are going to lie, but not right now. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I, and I, I have this crazy question for you, and it just kind of came up. Like, it's it's a little off topic, but um, it came I like off topic. I was, I was thinking Winnipeg, and I was thinking the move to Atlanta, and or the move to Arizona, and, and how Atlanta came back to Winnipeg. And um, what, like, what would the response be from hockey fans if another team was moved before the Arizona Coyotes? Um, not good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're looking at a team that's going to play at an, at their state university in front of five thousand fans when said other team is already selling out. You know, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, sorry, sorry, you don't sell out with ten thousand. Sorry, ten or fifteen, but close to that eight in between that seventeen, eighteen, twenty mark kind of thing. Yeah, and and I'd be upset, I'd be pissed because how can a franchise like that survive on five thousand fans alone? So, and I'll say what I heard on on another hockey podcast, and they talked about how playing at ASU is kind of like <laughs> it's growing the game because you've got all these ASU students who are coming on to the, coming into the stadium and will get a chance to watch hockey and maybe you know maybe they fall in love with the game and what whatever whatever it was it was a it was a silly silly excuse for a for a positive take on this move to ASU um i yeah i'm just i'm i i asked the question because i'm like Man, Gary Bedman's done whatever he can to make the Arizona Coyotes remain the Arizona Coyotes. And don't get me wrong, without the Arizona Coyotes, we wouldn't have Austin Matthews. We wouldn't have um, guys like that coming out of Arizona. Matthew Nyes? Matthew Nyes. <laughs> um, that said, if you're like, let's say, I don't even know. I don't even know. Let's say you're the Florida Panthers after you haven't been successful for 10 years, all of a sudden they decide, you know, you're getting moved out of sunrise and you're going to Quebec city. That would drive me nuts. Yeah. 
because everything's been done to make Arizona remain a part of the NHL and nothing. I, I don't know. I don't know. What it's do just, they have to show for it? Yeah. It's just, it's just a, literally what, the, what do they have to show for it? At least the Panthers made the cup. I mean, granted 15, 20 years ago and won the president's cup or won the president's trophy. Arizona is still at the bottom of the bottom of the league. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. It was just it was just a thought that came up over time about Winnipeg, and you know, obviously, you know, as Jesse Pollock knows, yes, I'm giving you another shout out. Um, you know, they moved once and and uh, had to wait a while for them them to fly back into town. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, um, before we before we close it out here, we're, we're like I, I we didn't mention off the top of the show a little short pod here, uh, just the two of us, but. Um, some big news out of women's hockey. Um, and, and as you mentioned prior to the show, obviously it's you know disappointing that you know Mik- uh, Michaela Grant Mentis is not no longer with the Toronto Six. That said, the reigning I believe she's reigning MVP. Is she the reigning MVP? Yeah, reigning league MVP, uh, native from Brampton, Ontario was the first woman to cash in on the new uh, increase in salary cap in women's hockey. And she just signed a contract for $80,000 us. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot compared to what we're seeing in, in the national hockey league, but take this as a step in the right direction. Big step in the right direction. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not the, the, the fi- hopefully it's not the final step, but it's a step in the right direction. And, mm-hmm. and great news for her, especially being BIPOC. Like this is, you know, this is, this is a great moment. I, and I want people to savor what, what's going on here because I think this is, this is, you know, this is just the beginning. This is really just the beginning and we're, we're way behind where we should be, but at the same time, to see women's hockey kind of make, make that development and take that step towards paying their, their players, what they deserve. Um, you know, it's, it, it's good news. It's good news. Mm-hmm. And, and for, for a player with that kind of magnitude and that kind of skill set to, to be the first to, to make that splash a Canadian, nonetheless, yes. um, you know, shout out to her and, and good luck in, in Buffalo with the Buttes and uh, you know, we'll miss you. We'll miss you in, in Toronto. Yeah. I would like to see at, at some point get to the million mark, just like, you know, NHLers. Yeah. But who's gonna, the hope who's is gonna, there. Who's going to be the Bobby Hall of women's hockey? Or the Derek Sanderson of women's hockey? The one that, the one to make that, that, that big splash, that big monetary splash. Hmm. I mean, if you're looking at like already star potential, you're looking at like Marie Philippe Poulin. Yeah. Looking to make that splash. Sarah Nurse. Yeah. Uh, Brianna Decker. Hillary Knight. Granted, all of them should already have massive contracts anyway. So it doesn't like, I mean, where, where are we at right now? Like get them signed. Get you like, I, again, and, and again, it's sad that like we're saying that 80,000. Okay. It's great. Don't get me wrong, but to say that 80,000 right now when women's hockey and women's sports in general are like steps way behind the men's side where they're making tens, like millions and millions every single year. And again, we're talking about that, you know, weight, that wage gap between men and women. 
it's got to stop and it's got to stop even here at sports like give them the and it's sad that they're not making as much revenue but at least they're getting something right now to try and get to that point but it's got to continue yeah no 100 i couldn't agree more um and you know with with the way that the world's going right now with inflation and all that bs yeah um you know let's let's play let's pay the athletes what they're due simple um anyways Anything you wanted to add, Peter, before we close this show out tonight? Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, just hope, just being optimistic. That, that, that's all I'm going to say right now. I'm trying to be optimistic because if we weren't optimistic, we wouldn't have any hope. And you know what? They played well up until this game. I'm talking about the lease, obviously. But, uh, yeah, let, let, let's, let's put it behind us hate to say that but let's move forward let's put that let's put that group effort in for game five and let's mean it yeah no i'm right there with you and uh as we've mentioned before if you want to take part in the passion pledge Mm -hmm. um that's something that alex put forward uh for us here at sticks in the six um check us out uh on uh, gofundme all funds raised it's five dollars per win for the maple leaves who knows it could stop here it could be 10 bucks a person right now that said all all funds raised are going to go um to the uh to the john Tavares foundation um and and as a parent it gives kids opportunities to explore what they you know what they love what they want to do um and and, and be a part of you know something special so um yeah the, you know it it's five bucks it's it's a couple coffees mm-hmm. a week so Get involved and, and hopefully we see more of you guys join up for the Passion Pledge here at Sticks in the Six. Um, with that, for Peter and myself here for episode 82 of Sticks in the Six, uh, be sure to check us out on Twitter. You can follow Alex, who's not here tonight, at A Hobson Media. You can follow Peter at P Barracchini and you can follow me at Andrew G Forbes. You can also follow the pod at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E. 6IXPOD. Find us on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you download your podcast will probably be there, including iHeartRadio. Make sure you hit subscribe, hit follow, leave a comment, rate us, review us, uh, and join us weekly for more of your favorite hockey talk. With that, go Leafs go. 